Grab courage to be the very best version of yourself. My guest today shares a story from her past that she recently revisited. Welcome to Love featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Courage. What courage it takes us as human beings in this 3D reality to face our fears. Last night, I was sitting outside in my tranquil garden as the sun was setting. It's my favourite time of the day, watching my hens climb the fruit trees to roost for the night. The largest one each night is the largest to roost. Yes, there's a pecking order. While the others are perched at the top of the tree, she takes about 15 minutes to gather the courage to fly up into the boughs of the tree. I watch her prepare to launch, squat to launch herself, and then she stops herself. She walks off, comes back, prepares to launch again and stops. Time and time again she does this, and yet each night she does it. I can almost feel her fear, and yet she faces her fear and makes it to the safety of the tree boughs to roost for the night. For those of us committed to self-development and being the best version of ourselves, life, I feel, is like this. We stop, we try, stop, try, stop, try, achieve, try, achieve, stop again, try, stop, achieve. <laughs> Yet each time, we really are moving. We're not stagnant, even when it may seem so. And watching my hens reminds me that I too have achieved before, and I will again. I've stopped and started so many things so many times, and yet each time I try. I'm moving my vibration towards that which I'm now desiring. It's that never-ending changing desire. Desire, achieve. Desire, new achievement. Desire again. Let it go. Desire again and try again. (laughs) But sometimes we have to go backwards to clear the past, to enable us to really move forward towards our desires. So we move a perceived backward step into an old vibration to clear it up. Almost every episode I've shared with you is around the law of vibration. What you are feeling is what you are vibrating at. What you are vibrating at is what you are attracting. And so attract what you desire. You must move your vibration to be in alignment with it. And so we try and try and try again. But how do we revisit the past to heal it without becoming vibrationally in alignment for manifesting more of the same? Or what if we're triggered by a painful memory of the past? Is it possible to be empathetic for our past while using the wisdom and tools we have today? Well, my guest today, a love life favorite, the gorgeous Amber Petty, is currently writing a book and she's sharing a lot of emotional stories from her past. I called her to have a chat about the chapter that she'd been writing earlier that day, and Amber was still vibrationally entrenched in a really traumatic past story when I rang her. So this recording is a very real and raw episode, where Amber works her way through shifting her vibration during the recording. We get to witness her reaching for the tools she's gathered over the years and implement them to raise her vibration from the painful memory. I've just literally got back home from doing a two and a half hour writing session, um, which feels like 
an eight hour because it's been on a heavy chapter. My energy is very, very down, which, you know, in terms of breathing and everything, I I have the energy of that pushing down on my chest. So I'm currently in that stage and I haven't obviously pulled myself out of it. Well, we're going to have a live therapy session right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will because unlike the period of time that I just uh, wrote in my book, I have the tools and the wisdom to do that now. And interestingly, I think half the energy that I'm dealing with now is also the sadness of being back in the me that was then that didn't have any of that, that literally had not worked out why I was my biggest enemy and, you know, it's I, I feel very sad. I was actually about to say, looking at your eyes now, because of course we're recording on Skype where I have the privilege of being able to see Amber. I can see the sadness in your eyes. And I was going to ask, do you feel deep sadness for that younger version of Amber? Oh yeah. And this is, oh, see, I'm getting emotional now. Um, Lucky it's an emotional show. Yeah. (laughs) Thank God for that. Yeah. I'd be no good on the wiggles. Um, (laughs) Oh, I'm sure they'd write a song. <laughs> oh, hi, kids. Yeah. Look, life's not great sometimes and, you know, there's a whole lot of bad shit that's going to be in front of you and, and sometimes you're just not going to know how to get out of it. Great. Have a great morning, kids. I'll, I'll leave you to go back to your parents to dig you out of that hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you've just vibrationally taken them to a really nasty place and left 2,500 kids crying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, look, all I can say is also laughter and humour. It's already, I can feel a slight change in my my energy. So I'll I'll just explain, you know, the point of my book, the working title at the moment is Lost Magic. It's basically a memoir that tries to step through from the hindsight of wisdom where I believe I started to lose my magic. And what I mean by magic is that, connection that I really had as a kid that there was much more than than anyone was talking about and there was I, I had a deep belief in God whatever that God was I'm trying to sort of step through from childhood I guess what I see is the dots that led to um, many of the darkest moments in my life that just seemed to get worse and worse and worse like a, a kind of black snowball Obviously, there's some fun along the way and I can't just have this book full of darkness because people would pick it off the shelf and probably drop it like a medicine ball. We'd be hanging out with those 2,500 kids you just made cry from the wiggles. Yeah. Oh, the therapists in Australia would be thrilled if I, actually, <laughs> if I actually just put all the dark crap in there and didn't bother lightening it up with the fact, with the reality that I've had lots and lots of fun and amazing moments and laughter in between my kind of tragic chapters. But this particular chapter goes back to when I was living in Sydney working in the music industry and it was during the Sydney Olympics. I mean, everyone knows that Sydney was just such a spectacular uh, Olympics in every way, shape or form from the volunteers to just everything. I mean, it was just this infectious electric energy and it made you proud but just so excited and it was just extraordinary. Anyway, during that time, though, this was a very bad time in my life in that I was three years away from coming out of the biggest sort of relationship of my life, 
which was my decision, but uh, that didn't make it easy in any way, shape or form. And because I didn't know how to deal with that and the grief seemed too heavy, I had to just literally park that. And then I thought, oh, fantastic, I've just got this amazing new job working in the music industry and I'd got a promotion moving up to Sydney and suddenly I'm the New South Wales Publicity and Promotions Manager for Festival Mushroom Records. I mean, the kind of job that you would, you couldn't even have told yourself as a, a young rat bag teenager, guess what you'll be doing one day? You'll be hanging out with rock stars and going to gigs and being paid for it. Like I would just would have thought, no, that sounds like something that someone's made up. But that's where my life after sort of uh, finishing a relationship that was very sad then launched every bit of myself into my job. It was the perfect distraction for someone that is literally wanting to run away from their past. The real damage of that was that I didn't realise I was a sensitive person and that, that everything that I was doing and the job was actually in many ways, the worst possible thing that could ever happen to me because I'm out late at night. I'm paid to be drinking with musicians and going to all of these things and, you know, burning the candle at both ends. And I really didn't want to be at home and be alone with my thoughts. That was the last thing I needed. So it was very convenient to be very busy and to be out at night. And, you know, a lot of that would be going home drunk and falling into, you know, a drunken stupor and not being it connected to my thoughts or my intuition in any way, shape or form. But, of course, that, that doesn't work out and things do catch up with you and, and they caught up with me in, in a myriad of ways for a long time. But this particular chapter that I've been writing today is that there was a new show in Australia called Pepsi Live. There'd be live performances from London and then Sydney and... Yeah, and then they do the top 10 of, you know, what was in the singles chart and albums charts in Australia. Part of their sort of promotion and putting themselves on the map, they had this wonderful, fabulous party on a yacht um, that went around the Sydney Harbour during the Olympics. Oh, gorgeous. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, it was fabulous. Living the the high life. Yeah, and the weather was absolutely spectacular and I knew that this party was going to be wonderful and it wasn't open to the public. It was, um, you know, it was music industry people. That was just one of the many fantastic invitations that I had over the course of that week. And my flatmate had gone away for a couple of days and she'd said to me, why don't you move into my room? You can have more space. She went out and I tarted myself up to go off to this party and popped my knee-length black leather skirt on and (laughs) very rock and roll and... I'd actually dyed my hair from blonde, which it had always been, to, to black, which probably with a little red streak at the front, which is very rock and roll. Rock chick. And very indicative of me wanting to completely um, have no memory of who I used to be. Anyway, so I went off to this party and it was fabulous and as was my kind of social process, you know, I'd be the life of the party and I would, you know, have plenty to drink. I never really made it full of myself in those kind of situations. So I'd had a great night. And I was due to meet my mum and my brother and one of my close friends the next day at one of the Olympic swimming events that I knew that there was going to be every chance that I was going to be hungover and be struggling the next day. It was really just I was on the hamster wheel of binge drinking to... Numb out. Yeah, to numb out. So I vaguely remember having this 
stupid thought. I've been quite sensible. It's only 4 a.m. and oh, I'm fine. You know, this is great. I'll be okay by 11 a.m. when I have to get up. The next minute I know I'm awake and I'm awake in this room that is just so blasted full of sunlight. It was unbelievable. Anyway, so I moved sort of slowly towards the bedroom door and I opened the door. I immediately think, oh, am I still dreaming? Because what I saw in front of me, which was black, I realised that the only bit of colour in the room was coming from where the stereo was and there was just this tiny little red thing that looked like it was sort of dancing like a little fairy. What I realised upon looking at the stereo further was that the stereo was actually on fire and the little red thing was actually the flame. The kitchen wasn't as black as the rest of the lounge room and, and the hallway and I filled up the kettle and I went back out to the lounge and I stood about a metre away from the stereo and I lobbed, carefully lobbed, an amount of water onto the stereo and then stood back. And the little flame went out and then I decided that I would go into the bathroom and the bathroom mirror was not as blackened but it was covered in grey. So I then put my face up close to the mirror in the section that I'd wiped and I immediately went, oh, my God. So the reds of where, where the whites of your eyes are are completely blood red. There is no, it's not bloodshot, they're blood red. And my eyes being green were those two colours standing against. And I wiped more away and suddenly realised that I was black from top to toe. So I then went, oh, my God, what do I do? I think this is real. I need to make a phone call. And I rang my best friend and I said, I think my apartment's on fire. And I gave her a little rundown and she said, have you called the fire brigade? And I said, no. And at that point I could hear banging noise from the lounge room and I realised that actually what I had done with the water, surprise, surprise, had exacerbated it and now it was actually really cranking up into a proper fire and so she made me promise to hang up the phone and call the fire brigade they told me to get out of the house they told me to with their neighbors around and then I decided to do something else that was incredible my teddy bear that I got when I was one year old flashed through my head and I guess it was the one kind of little kind of sense of you know my childhood or myself and I thought if I can't lose that And I raced into the lounge room and, of course, the flames were getting bigger. Rather than walk past it, I jumped over the couch and I ran into my bedroom and I opened my cupboard and I yanked my Manda Panda out and then I came back out and the flames were getting even bigger. And and then I ran out and I then started knocking frantically on my neighbour's doors and I realised that there was an old woman that lived across the way from me and I started, because things are starting to get real now, obviously, I'm like, you know. They escalate, fires escalate very fast. And that's what I'm realising and also I'm coming out of this idiotic state of, oh, this might be a dream, I might be just lucid dreaming and blah, 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 and, and no more tests. I mean, I was always testing the worst, always the worst. Let's just see how far we can make this potentially more dangerous. And so... 
the neighbours came out and they obviously looked quite shocked. I'd completely forgotten how I must have looked. Com- a p- completely blackened person. You couldn't even tell where the top, my top started as to where my black arm started. Was this all soot? Because in an electrical fire, it doesn't, it's not big flames. It burns. The plastic particles stay and hang in the air. Oh. But there's no billowing because it had obviously been hours since that stereo had been burning, wow. no doubt while I was while I was out, and so it covered everything eventually with this matte look, what looked like matte black paint, but all this stuff was hanging in the air. And of course, while I'm buggerizing around, I'm breathing all of this in, and it's attaching itself all over me. So Incredibly so toxic. so so toxic. I'm now freaking out. I'm like, I can't leave thinking that there is an old woman that this this could escalate and she could be burnt and, and unable to get out. And I just couldn't. I couldn't deal with that. So I'm standing there with my Manda Panda. Um, I then hear the fire sirens and I decided to run outside. So I ran outside and I said, you have to, ha- you have to hurry, you have to hurry. There's an old woman we haven't. She hasn't opened her door. I don't know whether she's in there, whether she's asleep or whether she can't hear us. Anyway, I just remember sitting at the front of my apartment and there's, oh, my God, like I can't even, I don't think they were full thoughts. I thought I don't know what my flatmates are going to think of what's going on. I mean, it wasn't my fault, but, of course, I didn't realise that. And, of course, everything went through the filter of what have you done in those days. And I knew that my mum and my brother and, and one of my best friends would, was going to be waiting for me. At, I just texted my friend and said, I'm not coming. I've been I've been in a fire. I'm, I'm I think they're taking me to hospital. Please don't tell mum any of this. Just tell her I woke up hungover and I'm I, I'm not going to make it. So that's kind of what I was writing today, basically. Is there guilt, shame, embarrassment? Oh, you've got no idea. Yeah, huge, huge. And there already was. There already was about so many things and, and even with the breaking up with the ex-boyfriend, what I didn't realise until so many years later was that I I left that thinking I was doing a shortcut of the grieving process um, by throwing myself into my, you know, my, my job and just becoming, you know, trying to make that everything that I was. But, you know, I had a lot of guilt and shame about the way I ended that relationship. So I, my energy was all about that. And then, of course, everything that I did was ended up being, you know, 30,000 confirmations that I am someone that is always off the rails, that, that's, that's, that feels guilty about themselves, that feels so much shame um, and that doesn't know why I'm like this, you know. So you've been writing about this today and... Yeah. And so you're right in it. You're sitting in the vibration, 100% yeah. you are reliving that memory. I am I know how to tell a story, but I'm not an incredible writer. Um, and, and so I know that. So I know in order to make this book good, I really need to go back almost like virtual reality and go right back into that apartment and into who I was and shake who I am now. Um, I can't write it from the perspective of me now. I mean, Heinz, a whole book full of hindsight is pretty boring. I want to ask, though, about the feeling of shame and embarrassment because 
we all have memories that when we go into them, you know, we might find that we you clench your bottom or your knees sort of lock, you know, yeah. that, that physical presence of yeah. embarrassment or shame. Yes. How do you move through that? Because that's not who you are today. No, do not Do you now. celebrate, do you look at this younger you now through the eyes of an older, more wiser woman yeah. with compassion, with kindness, with love, with empathy, with understanding? Is that part of moving through the memory? Or how do you accept that memory without feeling shame? Well, um, it's it's definitely years and years of therapy. You don't jump from, oh, now, look, you know, that memory was 20 years ago, you know, I don't need to feel bad about that. You know, you absolutely have to, you have to realise you feel you're harbouring a lot of that. And I kept that, I think, really stored in my body, which, you know, I'd already started having panic attacks. And actually a week, a week and a bit after that, um, I went into shock, by the way, um, I, and I still tried to go to things. And I had, I realised I had literally no emotion. I didn't feel anything about anyone. Someone could have murdered someone in front of me. Someone could have told me, you know, I slept with your ex-boyfriend and there would have been zero. Like my emotions had been deleted completely. So I was in shock. I ended up going to something. It was one of my other closest friends and it was a birthday of hers and I dragged myself along to that and I knew I shouldn't have gone and I ended up having another panic attack and I ended up just waking up out of that that panic attack and there was a whole restaurant staring at me and debating whether they should call an ambulance and I couldn't speak and I couldn't feel the bottom half of my body. More shame and embarrassment? 100%. So it just starts layering. Yeah, I've had to do a, an enormous amount of therapy to, to undo a lot of that stuff and obviously writing my book is still part of that because I realise, you know, for, for, I've been writing this book for years and, and for many years I've actually had to pull myself out of it because I've realised I'm not pulling myself out of it, you know, and and I and I actually value my peace and my sense of well-being too much to play Russian roulette with myself. Uh, you know, I just realised I wasn't ready and it wasn't worth the risk. I'm not at that point now. I, I can go in and I am, um, uh, you know, I'm at, at a much better place. Okay, so from a, from a conscious level, I absolutely look back at myself and I go, you poor thing. I know how to defend myself internally without being defensive because that's a negative emotion in terms of going, if anyone tried to bring that back or any of my past back onto me, that's actually not cool. You know, no, nobody should shame people 20 years later or five years later if someone's owned their shit. Like, I've done my work. I'm not still sitting here going, yeah, that was, oh, wasn't that a bit of a giggle? You know, I've... I, I, <laughs> Remember the time that I ended up in the fire and I'm standing out with a freaking teddy bear and I'm protective of myself and, and that is the greatest gift that I've been able to give myself because, as you can understand, that was the complete opposite. I, there was nothing protective. I, I valued nothing to protect and now I do and that is oh such a wonderful but it is through, as you know. I just think that is one – I don't want to skip over that too fast because I think that ability to place yourself as number one, to become fiercely protective of the self yeah, oh. is wonderful because normally we're our own worst enemies. We're oh. the ones doing the biggest beat-up jobs on ourselves. Oh, I've done a lifetime of it. And that is so important in self-love is – 
to be your own biggest cheerleader, to love yourself. And that includes the ugly stuff and the hard stuff to love about ourselves. I think, you know, what what's important to me is like, you know, there's a lot of stuff around these days, you know, with the self-help. It's a, it's a much more mainstream kind of uh, movement and, and there's access to it and people talk about it. But I think what I really want people to know is that be careful just hearing all this. You've got to love yourself. You've got what's out there is a lot of end game. What can be very disheartening for people is to think that if they just suddenly go, I've just got to love myself, I've just got to love myself, I've just got to love myself, and then they can't work out why they're still on the hamster wheel, there's a lot in between that it takes to get there, a lot. It's a big, yeah, it's a big job. You have to be ready to do the job. You have to be ready to make the phone call and seek help out on your own hopefully with the help of people, but even if they're not, if, they, if you're surrounded by a whole lot of people that don't understand self-help or, or have no attempt at getting getting well themselves, you actually have to go looking for it yourself. But it is extraordinary. I mean, however long it needs to take for you and your damage or even just you and your, you know, ability to, to turn things around for yourself, it is true that that end game is literally like heaven. I mean, I am literally, and that doesn't mean, I mean, I've had a hard, you know, I've had a, there's, there's hard things going on in my life, but they're circumstantial. They're not brought on by me. It is like living on a different planet once you actually have rid yourself of all of that dark energy and you actually arrive in a place where you do care about yourself and you do understand yourself and you do accept yourself. What I will say, though, is that I had a dream during the week which, you know, I, as you know, I work very strongly with my dreams because I get a lot of messages from my dreams, as does everybody, um, but a, most people don't understand what dreams are about. Well, actually, I'd love to invite you to come back on in a few weeks' time and talk about how you do your dream analysis. Oh, oh I would absolutely love that because I do actually think that my gift for myself and, and maybe in the future with my work and my books and stuff like that is about my understanding of dreams. Um, it's incredible. So what came to me during the week, which obviously made me feel a bit ugh about myself for the period of time that I then regrouped within a couple of hours and went, oh, wow, okay, so that's showing you that that's still there on an unconscious level. And it was literally just a little snapshot shot of a dream and I was with an ex-boyfriend, not that he, that he wasn't relevant to it. It was just that I was in a situation and what had happened was obviously the night before I'd gone out and got horribly drunk and done something that had left me and him feeling shameful. And I went, oh, so that's kind of still there. That's a subconscious belief maybe you still have or a doubt about yourself. And I just went, good. It's good to know. And if it's actually come up, then I know that it's wanting to come up and out. And seeing it out the door is actually going, oh, I see you, thank you, good to know, okay, we'll let that go now. I don't, I don't want that there, so thank you, Dream, and thank you for coming out now. So now here we are at this particular time on today and yep. you now are going to move to become a high-functioning person yep. after having been in shameful and painful yep. vibrational memories. Yeah. 
what are the tools you're going to do? Uh, we talked about laughter. You said instantly when we were having a bit of a giggle that you yeah. lightened up and started to feel better. What else do you do to shift the vibration from the heavy one yep. to the lighter one that you are now dominantly living in? Yes. Well, I think, you know, the one thing that people used to say to me in my life before I kind of did a lot of the work and started to feel more peaceful and had an understanding was people used to say the same thing to me over and over again and that was you need to be more kind to yourself and it was like this annoying thing and I'm thinking why do you you know the people from all walks of life why do you all what have you all got together on a conference call and decided that's your freaking tagline for me I mean why what is it can't you think of something more interesting like you're all so repetitive And now I realise that that was intuitively just what they felt when they looked at me and heard what was going on in my life. So now I know that I've had a bit of a rough couple of hours. I am really conscious that I don't get up and do what I would normally used to do back in the days, like soldier on, go out to a party, go. You, but you've committed to go and having a drink to, with someone tonight or you've committed this. Potentially, I actually have to go, I might have to actually cancel that because I need to be kind to myself and I need to actually nurture myself because like if you felt like there was a bit of a flu coming on, nurture yourself so that doesn't kick into anything. And also I think just to, so be conscious of of the energy and if it's still with you and conscious If it's starting to die down, send it sort of on its way, put yourself first and then once I feel that subside from my chest, say to myself, God, you're beautiful. You've been through a lot and you didn't know what was going on, honey. You did not know what was going on. There's nothing shameful to feel when you didn't have a clue but you know yourself really well now and that is going to make your future easier to deal with when circumstantial things really do happen that are not things that you've created. They're things like, you you know, people are going to die and people are going to think awful things are going to happen. You might have difficulty at work and all of that sort of stuff. Those things may be some, uh, some of that you can't help. You really are having a bit of a chat to your inner self. Yes. Inner child or inner self or younger self. Yep. And celebrating and acknowledging the wisdom that you've earned, consciously thanking the experience almost for the tools that you've now gained. Yeah. And reinforced self-belief of, and I've got this because when I do have to face challenges in the future, as a result of having gone through that trauma, I've now got gifts and tools that I'm going to implement easier. Yeah, and I think really importantly that rather than go through all of that and then hit difficult times, you know, have these awful sort of memories, is I'm not going to be external about it. Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm actually, as me today, going to go back visually and hold her hand. I don't need someone else to do that. She needs to be united with me. Beautiful. 
not just a story, not just an anything. No, 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 no. We're still alive and we've got this. Because there are many beautiful qualities about that spunky girl in 2000 that had the black hair and the red through her that must be celebrated and loved and never let go of because she had a lot of amazing qualities. You know what? Yeah. That we're not wanting to suppress that. And in the suppression through or the potential to suppress through shame, you suppress the whole and deny the beauty of who that person was at that time. That that is like so hugely important and wise because – what people have the tendency to do, and I know that I've done that, is completely whitewash those years with everything was bad and you were in such a bad place. That's not actually true. While things are dying, things were growing, and you were still fabulous while you were still a fuck-up, you know. <laughs> You know, and that is the truth. And some of my greatest relationships, friendships, apart from you, you're a bit later, but I was still in a bad place when I met you, um, (laughs) were formed then. So I can't have been such a grotesque screw-up if I was still attracting some of the world's best people. I feel that's so important to talk about. It lightens the load too because if you're looking back in a really, really dark energy and you're going, all of that was bad, then you are not diffusing it by being wise enough, as you said, to go, no, there was some really great moments in there and you were great as well. Exactly. And that's such an important tip to help people in the healing of their shameful memories yes is to really look at who that beautiful younger boy or girl was yes because dig deep i look at my younger self that was that it would be so easy for me to be also you know full of shame and embarrassment there's plenty of things i've done that i could be embarrassed about she was so bold and so spunky and fearless but she was also a magnet to laughter. I made people laugh. Me people too. wanted to hang out with me. You know, I was the crazy, silly one. Yeah. And it was harmless, crazy, silly. It wasn't at yeah. somebody else's expense. It wasn't no. dangerous. It was pure joy. We're, we're very similar like that. And that, that that is so true. We were both, you know, I attracted people because I was always laughing and making people laugh. Yeah, and that was never at someone else's expense. I hate that humour. It makes me kind of sick. Yeah, yeah, you do. You have to go back, and that is a really part, a big part of healing, which I'm not saying I've never necessarily done this part that well, is to go back and go, no, right, okay, you've spent plenty of time looking back and going uh, and focusing on all the shit. Now you need to go back and dig deep and find out where was all the gold hidden. Exactly, because I'm looking at your eyes now and they are so sparkly, beautiful Mm. and full of laughter. And so I think the tip here, one of the many that we've shared today, is that if people are are being triggered by a memory, and it can be any memory, it doesn't have to be something as traumatic as being caught in a house fire, Mm. but it can be, it could be a little thing, a big thing, it makes no difference. But if they're being triggered and they've gone into that embarrassment, 
then quickly grab the age of that memory. And then remember, dig deep for the flip side. It is the yin and yang, the light, the dark, everything the good, is. the bad. You yes. know, everything is balanced. So find that flip side. And I actually think that is a fast path of embracing the memory, healing the memory, and also moving through the vibration so that you're integrating that memory into who you are today without it being a heavy memory. As long as you have sifted through the rhyme and reason of the darkness um, and not just jumping into laughter. Yeah, so you get the gift. So you get the ownership of self. You know, And what were some of the lessons that you learnt in that period of your time, looking back with reflection and the healing that you've done? What were some of the, well, the things you learnt about yourself? Through these awful experiences and a couple of really bad eggs that I ended up attracting, people that really wanted to sort of suck that light that was there, what came through, and of course I, I, I argued against it and I didn't value it and didn't realise what it was um, until much later, was my intuition and, and, and my psychic side. It was, oh, my God, was it trying to get hold of me? I mean, and now I realise what I was doing. I was basically saying, so something extraordinary would happen. I would get a sign that was saying, this is not good, he's not good. What I would do is jump in to override that by saying, what would you know? What would you know? Oh, and, and then making excuses for everybody but me when it was actually just clear this dude's just bought you a bracelet and it's just burst off your arm. Oh, look, he's bought you the same one. It's just burst off your arm. Like there was some heavy-duty stuff that was trying to come through to me. And, of course, now, I mean, the hugest thing for me is now I never question my intuition. My intuition is incredible. It's not better than anybody else's, but I listen to it better than a lot of people. Depending on your circumstance and I guess how how awful things got, um, sometimes people don't look back and go, shit, there were signs. Oh, well, where did those signs come from? Somewhat, something was trying to help me. The world wasn't against me. It wasn't just me versus the world. There was There was some extraordinary, wonderful, beautiful little invisible things that were trying to help me. That's an amazing gift to have got from such a traumatic experience. And, you know, knowing that you get that gift. It, yeah. I think it, it's it's really healing when you know that you can say, I would actually, having my time again, I would go through that trauma again to receive oh, those gifts. If I, yes, everything that I'm about now and the joy that my intuition and my psychic ability gives to me, of, of course, you know, the thought of going back into those spaces makes me still feel sick because it was a vomit time. But I would, you know, of course I would do it in a second again for what what I've uncovered that is now, that now makes my life so much better and it just, you know, the ideas and the the creative stuff that I, you know, comes to me through intuition, creative is all just your intuition and being open and, and thinking about things um, and not busying yourself with a whole lot of pointless sort of things. So, yeah, I would always, uh, yeah, I, would, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything. But I think also just one point too is that I know that a lot of, because this has been showing up for me with some people I'm helping at the moment, a lot of people get really, really scared that if they're reached a point where, things are not working for them or they're depressed, they've got anxiety, whatever it is, 
And even if they suspect there's some things from their past that they've actually got to go back and face, whether it's even childhood and whether it's things about your parents that you you know that you've all just got on and played happy families and pretended doesn't exist, you know, the thought of doing therapy and acknowledging that and going to a stranger and talking about that, a lot of people get so fearful that once they open that door, something horrendous will happen to them and they'll never recover from that. But but it stops. There's only so much in there and it eventually stops. And once it stops and all the stuff's come out, guess what? It's gone. You feel better. It may still have an imprint, but that doesn't continue to hurt you. Or that's make right. You feel, it, it's just that's life. We, can, we have wounds. I'll often say to people that are looking at one in coaching or therapy is that when you heal one issue, you feel better. So therefore, yes. it becomes the incentive to, oh, well, what's the next thing that's causing me pain? I mean, you and I would have lists. We'd have an appointment with whatever therapist we were, you know, involved with at the time. Yeah, and, and that's it. It's like, what's your and shit? If, Yep, next. And, in fact, I, I remember having a monthly appointment and I would look at my diary and I would think, oh, do I really need that? Everything's going really smooth. Yeah, yeah look no. out 48 hours before. The 48 hours before making an appointment, up comes something. But I wasn't living it for three and a half weeks. It was only the last couple of days that something new would come up. Then you deal with it, you get tools, you become more self-empowered, you move on, you feel better. So it's not like you're opening up Pandora's box to make it where you are not able to cope. You know, the universe will only give you what you can handle. Sometimes it feels like, oh, my God, really? Can I handle any more? But it... But we do handle it. Yeah. And I think also when you have those moments when you're feeling really bad and you might make an appointment and you can't get in to see that therapist for two weeks and then and then by the time it rolls around, you go, oh, yeah, but I feel better now. I don't, oh, I don't really want to go back to that place. Well, you're kidding yourself. You need to front up to that because just because you feel okay doesn't mean it's gone anywhere. It means... Now you need to do something about it. And then you get to a point, like I know you and I have done, where something will come up and I go, oh, whether it's come through my dreams or just an incident or whatever it is, and I go, oh, okay, I've got to go and deal with that. I book an appointment. Oh, they can't see me for a week or something. I really need to see them now. The whole thing is making sure that you can go, that's okay. I now have faith that in a week I'll feel better. So therefore, I can kind of feel better now because I'm not in denial. I'm going to deal with it in a week. I don't need to drag the trauma through for that week. I just need to have faith that, oh, good, because you know what? I know a person that makes me feel better and that we will get a shift. I will get some answers. So knowing that something is taken care of, even before it's taken care of, is a really nice place to be. And, you know, and how wonderful that I'm now in a place where I can actually put it into a book. I will be writing tomorrow. I will write the next day. I won't have to have six months breather from it because I'm too scared that it's going to throw me off course. It's not. I love having Amber on the show. She's so open and real and funny. And, of course, Amber's a great storyteller. If you'd like to hear more from her, then I really encourage you to check out her podcast, 
The Wise Guides, of which I'm a guest on one of the episodes. She has 10 episodes from Series 1 for you to binge listen to, and a second series is currently in production. I've popped the link in the show notes. And if you'd like to have help to clear your past, then I encourage you to book in for a private coaching session with me. Details are available on my website, janedonovan.com.au. And if you've enjoyed today's show, then I'd love to get your five-star rating on iTunes. Your rating, apparently, I've just learnt this, it helps other people to find the show, which in turn, of course, helps them to embrace self-development and be the best versions of themselves. And until next week, keep trying and keep moving towards your desires. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening.